0: Sits and sieves, captains and commanders, you're tuned to the guard frequency. And as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 126 of the best damn space sim podcast ever and was recorded on Friday, June 24th, and made available for download Tuesday, June 28th over at GuardFrequency.com. Unfortunately, Lennon's had to sit this one out as he prepares his campaign to run as the new Prime Minister of Great Britain, so instead you have the pleasure of me filling in. I'm Jace. And I'm Jeff. And I'm Tony. So, what do we
1: have this week, Tony? Tony.
2: Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we check out some tourist spots on the edge of the solar system. On the flight deck, we see what news has landed from your favorite space sims as we cover Star Citizen's latest development details from 10 for the Chairman, Around the Verse, and the Dragonfly Q&A Part 2. More changes coming to the engineers in this week's patch for Elite Dangerous, as well as forthcoming changes to mineral acquisition, blueprints, and scanning. And the latest from iNova Studios' weekly update for Infinity Battlescape. Next, we debate single-role versus multi-role
0: ships, and finally, we tune to the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. As next weekend is 4th of July weekend, we're all going to be partying like it's 1776, so there won't be a show. Instead, Guard Frequency will return for its Friday night recording slot on the 8th of July, and the show will be released on July 12th. Oh, and nobody tell the Brit.
1: And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. you boys.
2: Crypter, crypter, crypter. This is Tony saying, "Welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone." I hope none of you have finalized and/or already taken your summer vacation yet, because have I got a couple of destinations for you? These are little-known, out-of-the-way places, off the beaten path, and kind of tough to get to because they're about three and a half billion miles away. The New Horizons probe continues to send back images from its Pluto flyby, and wouldn't you know it, the little sorta kinda not so planet continues to surprise and amaze. Let's start off with that summertime road trip staple, the Grand Canyon. Wait, 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 sorry, sorry. We're talking about a 3.5 billion mile trip here, so we gotta kinda jazz it up. Let's, um, okay, I got it. The Super Grand Canyon. Well, the local Grand Canyon here on Earth is nice. Uh, it's nothing terribly special. You know, that Arizona attraction is about a mile deep and 280 miles long. But the super Grand Canyon on Pluto's largest moon, Charon, is over five miles deep and 430 miles long. And when you consider that Charon's diameter is less than 10% of Earth's, it's less a canyon and more of a planet girdling chasm. Tours start on the South Rim daily at noon, bring your scarf and mind the edge. It's a long way down, but at least the gravity's low. Also, while you're out that way, why not take a refreshing dip in Pluto's subsurface ocean? Noah Hammond published a paper in Geophysical Research Letters, which highlight a particular lack of compressional tectonic features, or, uh, well, they haven't come up with a fancy acronym for that yet, but I, I'm sure they're working on it. The fact that Pluto's surface does not have surface features that would indicate a solid mantle means that, wait for it, it's not entirely stable.
1: Not entirely stable. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. You're welcome.
2: Rather than a solid core and mantle made of Ice 2, the critically panned and box office flop sequel to Ice, the motion picture, the paper suggests that a subsurface ocean warmed by a hot core would explain the oceans and other flat features observed by the New Horizons initial flyby. So, surf's up, just be sure to bring a big drill. Who's up for a road trip? To Pluto! Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. So what should you be visiting first? The subsurface ocean that uh, is 3.5 billion miles from Earth? Uh, so
0: small like the sun looks like a little star? I mean, it's got liquid water. Well, I can it's not it. only go spelunking, but I can also go diving at the same time, so why wouldn't I do that? The, we need to hurry up and get out to those outer solar system planets
2: because it's just a tourist mecca, the whole place out there.
1: I, I don't know. I don't see the attraction of uh, really landing on Pluto and uh, spelunking around, I-, I could do a flyby, you know, on my way to some place really cool, like Earth too.
2: Well, sure. I-, I I think what's interesting though is that there is energy out there. You know, I mean, it's like you you know the solar system is four billion years old and change, and you'd expect something that far away to have basically frozen itself solid. But if it's if it's got an inner core hot enough to keep. Some sort of liquid water going, you know, hot enough to affect the surface geology of the of, of the planet. I mean, that's a lot of energy out there. And if you wanted to send people out there to live, they would have some sort of geothermal energy source out there enough to boil water, which is you know enough to sustain life.
1: If you say so.
2: Well, it's it's a it's it's a thought. I mean, it's a it's a long thought. It's a long way out there, and we're like I said, you have to bring a pretty big drill to get down to it. But I mean, it's something. The solar system is not as dead out there as we, you know, as you might think it is. And I think that's the interesting part. And then the the Grand Canyon on on the, the moon of Pluto. I mean, that's like the planet's cracked in half almost with that, that that scale. They had some pictures of it on the website, the links will, uh, of course be in the show notes, and it's just like it's like someone tried to take a slice off the edge of an orange. It's like almost a piece is trying to be cut off of the planet, or the moon, I guess. Yeah,
0: the relative size is what's really impressive there, because there's bigger canyons on some of the other planets and moons in the system, but nothing that has such a massive proportion of the overall size of the body. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's, you
2: know, you can't possibly, you know, people make a big deal about being able to see the Great Wall of China from Earth and stuff like that, or the Grand Canyon from—I uh, mean, from orbit, you know. But wow, you know, they—they they snapped this picture from almost 300,000 miles away, and it just—it just is blatantly obvious. You're looking like, hey, someone tried to take a chunk out of that thing. Well, who knows what other secrets uh, will be revealed when New Horizons finishes sending back its data, and then goes on to explore some other Kuiper Belt bodies, so probably more things shall be revealed. But until then, have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck.
1: Three one seven five Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. do get technical with me.
2: Our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for June 24th, 2016, 116,562,000 of about 965,000. 1.401 million registered accounts of about 4,800 and 1,019,000 ships in the UE fleet up about 23,000 and change. And uh, congratulations, that would be sort of a million ships now sold by Star Citizen.
0: This week started off with a 10 for the chairman that could probably be called a mixed bag. There was a lot of new information in there, but it may not do a lot to quell the Warriors. First of all, while there will be a CIG presence at Gamescom, including a booth and local pop-up events, there will be no large livestream-slash-presentation event. Chris cited issues securing a venue and concerns over the heat and possible risk to people's health last time around. One of the other questions revealed that Descent Underground is not alone in having some engine issues. One of CIG's current goals is developing the full Stanton system, which has a diameter of 1 billion with a B, kilometers, and contains multiple procedurally generated planets. CryEngine was not designed to handle that, so they are basically rewriting Cry Network. That's targeted to come out in version 2.7, which is also when the nix Levski landing zone should be available. Prior to that, 2.5 will include the Outlaw base, allowing for two factions with separate spawn points in the PU. As everyone has probably guessed, there were no target dates given at all.
1: The sale will be over by the time most of you hear this, but CIG put out a decent amount of info on the Dragonfly we felt it was worth sharing. First. This is very much a limited use ship. Apart from not having a jump or quantum drive, as mentioned last week, the Dragonfly has unlimited HUD. Basically, no cargo space, and the pilot and rider have to use a personal EVA air supply to keep breathing because the ship has no life support. Also, the shields on the ship are not realistically going to fend off a dedicated attack from a combat fighter. And if you need to bail out, The recommended method is just jumping off since the ship has no ejection seats. Chris mentioned in the 10 for the Chairman that the Drake ships not having ejection seats is a feature in keeping with their simple and stripped down design philosophy. On the upside, when in the ground mode, the hovering will function over most terrestrial surfaces. Also, so far as we know that the Caterpillar, Freelancer, Constellation, Starfarer, and the Idris will be able to carry at least one of these ships. The Retaliator will be able to hold some if the cargo pods are installed. In all, the warning on the sale page seems to apply. If someone offers you a Dragonfly for a mission, there's an even chance they aren't expecting you to come back.
2: In conjunction with Chris's reveals from 10 for the Chairman, Around the Verse also had a little bit of news on what to expect down the line. Overall, Alpha 2.4.1 is in development and will address some networking and FPS issues. Austin let us know that a new station will appear in Stanton soon, TM. Grimhex is going to be one stop shopping for all energy weapon needs, while Port Alisar is cornering the market on ballistic weapons. Grimhex will also stock pirate style clothing. Frankfurt has some things in store for the Idris, including explosive decompression that will blow people into space and can cause a cascade effect unless it's sealed off, and landing operations where they're currently able to land three small ships at once with the automated landing system.
0: So what do you guys think? Are we starting a uh, guard frequency space biker gang with dragonflies?
2: Mm, no. No. No, I am not. No. I'm not. It's other people like the Sons of Anarchy
0: thing. This, uh, No, this no, <laughs> this is a
2: bad idea.
1: You, you see, well, at least with a Harley, you can kind of trick them out. I don't think there's much tricking out of a dragonfly. They do seem pretty bare oh,
2: You know, it's an MMO-esque kind of game, you know, just you give people uh, in a little room enough time to think about it. They'll find ways to sell you chrome-plated exhausts and, uh, you know, saddlebags. And uh, all kinds of stuff. No, I bet they'll, they'll have plenty of accessories for you to trick out your little dragonfly. But your spacesuit is your life support system, and there's nothing between you and whatever micrometeorites or paint flecks that are traveling at 17,000 miles an hour that you can you know get your spacesuit punctured with. So Thank you, but no, I will be passing.
1: Well, I don't know. That depends. If the first-generation dragonfly will be known as the panhead then uh, I I might buy one for its collector's value, but... (laughs) I sincerely
2: doubt, yeah. I think it says it all there. They're expendable, and they don't expect you to come back if they send you out in one. So
0: I get the Zerg Rush vibe from the Dragonfly. Oh, I see, yeah, I see the front of a Caterpillar just opening up, and... You know, a dozen of these things flying out from the interior modules. Yeah, six of them aren't going to make it to the hull of the other ship, but the six that
2: do make it, you'll be within the targeting envelope, won't be able to reach you for whatever turrets or whatever. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting gameplay idea. Let's see how it pans out. But uh, yeah, not for me. Thanks very much. How about there's no ejection seat on Drake ships? I love that. You're I'd like to, to, to see- crawl out. Were I the safety uh, the, and airworthiness guy of the UEE, I would ground every single Drake ship. That's like selling a car
0: without seatbelts.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know what that's all about. I think some of them will
0: have things like ejection pods, like how the command module of the Caterpillar can break off of it. So there may be some safety features that's not explicitly, like the Buccaneer doesn't have an ejection seat, but you can, in effect, eject from it. It's just not push a button and it launches you out. I I mean, I agree. I don't, especially with the death of a spaceman mechanic, I don't want to be in a death trap. Yeah, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me that you would purchase a
2: ship that you're going to take into combat, and the thing that protects you from one of the likely consequences of going into combat isn't isn't standard of feature. It's not even an optional feature. It's not like you could, hey, can you throw that in there, you know, with the cup holder and the uh, heated bucket seat? No, no, we don't do that. It's not a thing you could buy from us.
1: Am I wrong in thinking that the common denominator for Star Citizen is combat? I mean, it's all is it all about combat? I mean, we talked about combat ships and combat mechanics, and and I thought the Persistent well, Universe thing was kind of like, you know, hey, um, yeah. s- well, sim life in space, you know? We'll get into this a little
2: more in the feedback portion of the show, but one of the answers intended for the chairman kind of went that direction. Can I say hold that thought? Yes, you're going to say hold that thought. Hold that thought.
1: I will hold that thought. The next point update for Elite Dangerous arrived this week, bringing the number of bug fixes and tweaks as well as some previously promised adjustments to gameplay in the engineers. First and foremost, commanders can now call in a favor from an engineer to guarantee a desired experimental effect in their upgrade. This will cost one reputation level with the engineer if you already have an experimental mod but want to hand-select a different one or two levels if you haven't rolled any special effect on that module yet and want to ensure that the one that you choose is applied. Hopefully this will at least begin to offset some of the issues with the randomness and upgrading gear through engineering.
2: On the AI front, interdiction rates for powerplay ships has been reduced by 10% and both ship types and combat ranks of these attackers has been pushed more towards the middle. Top rank opponents and high end ships should be much less likely now when facing powerplay opponents. Large AI ships should ram players less frequently, your welcome shiv, and engineer mods should now appear only in ships ranked master and above. Though Deadly and Elite ranked enemies are guaranteed to some of those modifications. Finally, Enemy Interdictor's combat ranks will now be correlated with the player's combat rank instead of your highest Pilots Federation ranking. Though if trade or exploration is higher than your combat rank, the system will add a plus one to your effective rank, so the overall effect, generally opponents you encounter at random should be closer to your combat rank or maybe slightly below.
0: Looking ahead, Frontier also posted some upcoming changes mostly focused around improving lower tier blueprints and the hunt for materials. The surface scanner will now provide information on what materials are available on a given world, for starters, making locating your components that much easier. Once you find what you're looking for, each site should provide you with multiple units of a material, and surface mining will be more productive also. The chances of finding rare materials will be increased also, and non-planetary salvage and unidentified signal source locations will see a balance pass. The lowest tier blueprints will be cheaper to apply, with simpler material costs and improved positive effects. Combined, the intent behind these changes is to allow more frequent attempts at getting more desirable results, as well as letting commanders improve their reputation with the individual engineers more quickly. Hopefully this additional update will come soon. Well, I was in there earlier
2: this week, and uh, I'm almost back up to my previous earning rates. So what they've been doing, and plus with you know my adaptations to the new systems, I think I've almost got my groove back. Yeah, whatever it is they're doing, it's working for me. I've been collecting the little um, the salvage because now all the ships drop uh, engineer type materials, right. focus crystals, and prototype whatevers and things like that. I've been collecting them, but I haven't actually tried to upgrade anything yet. Do you um, get
1: a, a storage of any kind now? or? or? Yeah,
2: yeah. That You get, you can store like a thousand of these units for free. It hmm. um, doesn't take up any of your cargo bays or anything. Oh, that's
1: uh, so. that's game immersion for you. I, I'm sorry. I haven't played since the engineers came out. I'm a little bit miffed at the way they rush things to production. and.
2: Well, this is, yeah. This is the Frontier way, though. I mean, it's they release something, and it's released, and it's not so great. And again, this I think this is probably true for a lot of things. The people that are on their beta test are a very narrow, niche group of people. They have their own things. They have their own agenda. They're probably advanced players with bazillions of credits to their name and maxed-out ships. Run-of-the-mill guys like me get in there, and they go, This is not fun. And then they have to tweak it so that, you know, More casual players can actually get stuff accomplished.
0: Uh, Also, the beta seemed to focus heavily on testing out the weapon modifications, which turned out to be extremely rare when the beta hit. So I think a lot of people had the idea, oh, this is going to be no big deal, because the cost in the beta was not reflective of what the cost was in the final launch. And Mm. they were focusing on this balance between the different mods, and we didn't get a good idea of what the actual AI would look like with it being much, much harder to get the modifications. For me, at least right now, you know, I'm, I don't have billions
2: of space bucks in my space bank. I'm, not, I'm more interested, more focused on getting my cutter, you know, back to the A rate, you know, getting it up to the A rate. That's, you know, if, if we take our uh, senior producer, Elliot's analysis at that, uh, this is the new end game. The engineers mod is a new end game. I haven't finished the old end game yet. I'm still in a. <laughs> I, I'm far a C from finishing on
1: the old end game.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, more casual players are going to look at the engineer mod and go, forget it. I mean, I, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm collecting the little bits because eventually I will get my cutter up to a spot where I'm I'm pleased with it and I'm ready to to take it around the block a few spins. But right now I'm just it's that part of the game doesn't interest me. And I typically, I'm not a crafter. I mean, I like the crafting systems and stuff. I think they're fun side games and things like that. I just, I'm not a a big crafter anyway. So it's, I I think it, come on back, Jeff. It's okay now. They've they've, they've ironed most of it out.
0: Yeah, Shiv is like our canary. And he started surviving more, so I think that means it's okay. (laughs) That's right. Well, and, and Shiv plays a lot of different games too, so he's
2: he's definitely a casual elite player for sure. Uh, you know, he likes to jump on every so often and do some cargo runs, and you know he's got a new baby, so it's like when the baby lets him play, he can't really go in for a combat because if his wife needs him to get something for the baby or the baby's crying or whatever, it's not like you can just say, okay, pause and take care of that. He's you know he's got to do trading and other stuff where he can just sort of throttle down and float for a while, but if he's getting interdicted and stuff, that he can't do that. That's no fun. Uh, if he can't get away from the interdiction in a relatively short period of time with a reasonable degree of success. So yeah, he's, he's, once he starts surviving and making his rare trade runs and, and getting through them successfully, I think.
1: It's okay, Jeff. Come on back. This week, Infinity Battlescape. Unfortunately, Keith managed to catch the Lurgy and so the patch and new launcher were delayed. The good news is Keith is all better now and the launcher and the patch should be released in the next couple of days. If they're not already released by the time you hear this. Whilst Keith was at death's door, Flavian finished up integrating the space station mock-ups. And so far, they're looking pretty sweet. Next up, they're going to be building the shippable space station assets. And to quote Inobi Studios, we think they're going to be absolutely stunning.
2: Speaking of shippable assets, the cockpits are coming along nicely and have started to be finalized. So far, the Corvette and the Interceptor are at the focus, mainly split between the dynamic duo Dan and Jan, whilst Christian is finishing up the land-based mock-ups. One thing they're trying to nail down is the overall aesthetic. Currently, they're going for the 70s, 80s sci-fi industrial and the advanced technology a civilization would have far into the future. <laughs> Please, retro classic chic with future history overtones and subtle elements of postmodern art deco space adventure? <laughs> Make it artisanal and I could do it in my
0: sleep, okay? Further, pilots will have an advanced augmented reality AR HUD built into their helmets, capable of displaying mission critical information. However, cockpits will retain many retro switches, buttons, gauges, and levers for redundancy in case of system failure, and also because blinky light units look really cool. Once the final geometry pass is complete, Innovae are going to start work on textures and materials to make the assets really start to pop, and to quote, we're going to continue the well-used, rusted look of our starfold Confederacy ships, as was shown with the Hellion in our Kickstarter video. We want our ships to have character.
1: Yay! I now, bet. I'm not too familiar <laughs> with
0: this game, but I was just taking a look at it while we were getting ready, and it seems kind of like... B five Earth ships meet Star Wars to me.
2: Yeah, I, ca- I the whole idea of having a space aesthetic, you know, I went into my Sean voice there for a second to sort of, you know, yeah, you know, just it's 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 the attitude more than anything, which tends to layer a complex thing on something which could be really simple. I just, you know, it's you build the spaceship right, and then you put rust on top of it. Eh, call me. I mean, I was, I grew up on Star Trek, though, I guess. Maybe that's my bias, I suppose. I mean, Star Wars was a thing, but I preferred Star Trek. The Enterprise is sharp, right? Mr. Scott kept that thing looking good. All right? I mean, not a scratch on her, and no rust patches. And whatever robots or whatever they had sweeping up and, and, and keeping the, the, the no, galley clean. No, they had the red
1: shirts, pack. man. I, I'm telling you. The, red shirts, okay? Uh, yeah. That's what they did. You know, it's like, uh, it's Starfleet. I mean, these guys had jobs, and, the, and one of them was the maintenance, you know, regular maintenance. I mean, even in TNG, they were talking about, you know, regular scheduled maintenance of, of systems and stuff. That's only the Damn. normal. I mean, what yeah. what space game would you not take care of the thing that's keeping you alive?
2: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly.
1: I mean, at some point,
2: I suppose in the far off future, you know, a, maybe a rust patch or a leaky pipe here and there might be sort of like we'll get to that at the next stop, maybe I suppose. But if that's the thing that's keeping you, uh, is that's the only thing between you and the cold, hard vacuum of space. I mean, I'd be like whose job is it to clean up that rust spot so I can fire him and or chuck him out the airlock?
1: Well, in that that TNG episode, they got that rust on the hull, and it's like it ate the hull up, and they were like,
2: panic. Space (laughs) rust. Yeah, yeah, nothing to be fooled with, exactly. I get it, it's just a game. Like many other things, it's just a game. But whether it's Star Citizen or Star Wars or Infinity Battlescape, it just seems to me a little odd, strange to to. Put humanity out there in the far-flung reaches of space, and
0: you can't even paint your hull. There's nothing I like about Elite. You have to pay credits every so often to get your hull repainted. Yeah, but using Elite as kind of an deck. example, I mean, at the far end of the artisanal style spectrum, you have polygons in space, mm-hmm. which <laughs> Elite has basically the Doritos. Up. Although,
2: if you choose to purchase an Imperial Cutter, and I recommend you do, ah. the sleek lines and smooth contours are quite a sight to behold. There are pretty ships in Elite, and you keep them pretty. Sean from uh, the Customs Bureau would ground these ships. You're like you're not taking off from the spaceport. No, you're not. If he let off. it land Down at safe. all, <laughs> <laughs> no, he'd let you land, and then you would even would padlock you.
0: Yeah. You're done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but now it's time for news we didn't use. No Man's Sky has finished its legal battle with Sky Broadcasting and can now release unhindered. Huge
2: burst lasers are now available in Elite Dangerous after issues delayed them from release in Update
0: 2.1. Next week will feature Around the Verse's 100th episode and CIG is soliciting content suggestions from subscribers.
2: And Descent Underground is hopefully going to squash those final bugs and release co-op in the very near
0: future.
1: Most games on the computer or tabletop impose an idea of classes or roles. They are support roles who assist allies with tasks, or so-called tanks, who simply soak up damage in combat. And occasionally even roles that focus on manufacturing and gathering resources. Space sims usually have defined jobs available, but the approach to them can vary. Sometimes you have one ship and your ability to perform a specific task is dependent on how you configure the hull. In other instances, you want to switch what you're doing. You've got to park one ship somewhere and hop on to a completely different one. The question before us today is, which approach is the way to go? Should the gear alone make a ship? Or should the ship haul dictate what you can equip? Gentlemen, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to debate for us whether all ships available in-game should be single-rolled. Their psychological profile suggests that Jace has an obsessive personality that focuses on one task for an excessive amount of time, while Tony usually can't even start a task before getting bored with it and going off to do something different. So, Jace, tell us why single-purpose ships are the way to go. I love... Multi-role ships in tabletop RPGs, I love multi-class
0: characters, but the fact is almost no gaming system ever has these adequately balanced to the point where they're really worth using for anything. I love flying multi-role ships in Elite, but the fact is I am worse at everything than anybody in a single-role ship. Jace, you
2: cromulent orator. I have to say that while you make an interesting point that the jack of all trades is master of none, I think that the idea is that your skill should be expressed in your ability to push any ship in any direction. I think that that is a, uh, a an integral part of these types of games. I think that the idea of selling different equipment that fits different kinds of ships lends itself to that kind of gameplay. And I think that if you restrict people's ability to mount equipment,
0: you're restricting their ability to play the game. I've definitely seen the argument about player skill making up the difference. The problem is that, uh, in reality, the player skill, if you have two equal players, the player with the focus ship, with the focus build, is going to beat the person in the multi-role ship at the same task. So if, if it comes down to combat, the PvPer with the PVP ship and the PVP build is going to beat the all-rounder every time, if skill is equal
2: jsu opulent discusser i think that probably if you uh, are doing a pvp environment you're going to have to do the single role ships but in a gaming environment and in, in general the system has to be flexible enough to accommodate people that have different types of gameplay styles and to design your system from the ground up to force them into particular ships for particular gameplays increases their administrative overhead which decreases fun that's a bad idea for game.
1: thank you gentlemen you both raise equally good points and i think that you know time will tell it depends i guess on the player themselves i mean really if it comes right down to it the PvPer is always going to be combat ready, and the guy that wants to trade and explore and fight the mobs is going to be the multi-role, it's just one of those things.
2: Well, but if only if the game designer lets you do it. I mean, part of the game design is also to make money too, right? You know, or you know, Whether it's a cheeks in the seats sort of system where you want people just to play the game more to earn space bucks or if you're doing microtransactions for ships themselves, you have to design the game to accommodate both kinds of players. And some people just want to hop in and go, and they like to do the whole paper doll thing or they hang the different kinds of equipment on their favorite ship. They get very attached to that ship, right? And some people like to have a a garage full of different kinds of ships. You know, they're collectors. So I think you have to accommodate both play styles, but if you don't design your game that way from the ground up to accommodate both the single ship ones where you can excel and push, and the people that like to do the multi role, I think you're kind of hamstringing yourself unnecessarily. I agree with you, Jace, that it's tough to get the balance right, but I think that's where the onus is on the the designers of the you know the gear that goes on
0: it to sort of you know uh, shoulder that responsibility. Yeah, I agree. I mean, most of my favorite ships in Star Citizen, in Elite, are multi-role ships. I just am never sure that they're really going to do what I want. Well, now you know our thoughts on it. We want to hear yours. So this week's community question is, do multiple single-purpose ships ensure that you're using the right tool for the right job, or is the convenience of a multi-purpose hull a better option? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on over at our show thread at guardfrequency.com. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune into the feedback
2: loop and let you join in the conversation.
0: Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're no, so let's
2: just be friendly. Some say he thinks Brexit is the name of a Yorkshire breakfast cereal, and he's the reason they insist on no shirt, no shoes, no service. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he he'll put together this week's feedback. Do grey markets provide a needed outlet for casual gamers to get the edge they don't have time to acquire, or are they just greedy outlets run by people who are ruining games for everyone else? Here are your responses to last week's community question.
0: Krell wrote in. Selling a ship in-game to another player for UEC is very different than selling a ship for cash. There's no equivalency there at all. The real problem lies in the ability to gift ships. If you allow that, you allow the gray market to exist. Druid writes in and says,
2: In regard to gray markets, I'm of two minds. Some of the people in the Star Citizen's gray market that act as brokers have earned a reputation of trustworthiness. I'm provisionally okay with it so long as they're not buying up mass quantities of limited-run ships and then scalping them. What I hate are the gold sellers you see in many MMOs constantly bombarding me with spam, trying to get me to buy gold, interfering with my ability to enjoy the game. One thing about the insurance and paying for speeding up the process of getting a replacement ship is you seem to have only gone for the worst case possible. I think it's a valid concern, but it would have been nice to have been presented with a range. Anywhere such as from 5 to 10 minutes to the day or two you mentioned. A bit more balance would be appreciated. Finally, Tony, seeing as I've singled you out the last time, I thought I should also show you the same balance that I've asked of the Guard Frequency team. While I often disagree with what you have to say, I just as often agree or at least appreciate your point. I unfortunately often fall prey to that human foible that focuses on the negative and lets the good fall by the wayside. So here's to you, Tony, and the rest of the Guard Frequency crew while I'm at it. Thanks for the best damn Space Sim podcast ever. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I just got a warm fuzzy.
1: I got a warm fuzzy too.
2: We like spirited debate, and you, we're never going to agree with you 100%, and you're never going to agree with us 100%. But we're all civilized people who can have reasonable discussions. Thank you, Druid. I can promise not
0: to agree with Tony 100%. I, yes. that helps. But, <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that, yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, of course, if it's a five or ten minute penalty, that's like a cool down, right? I mean, our common experience Star Trek Online, when they introduced the 32nd death penalty, oh my god, it was like the end of the world. You know, you had to wait 30 seconds or something for your ship to respawn after you got blown up by the Borg for the 16th time. So, I mean, that was a huge, huge thing. But, you know, if we're talking in the order of minutes, it's no problem. But if you're sitting down for an hour of gameplay and, you know, it's going to take two or three hours of either real-world time to, for the system to regenerate your ship and put it in your hangar, that's a session-killing penalty. And that's, that's where I have a problem. You're right, they could pick any time from a, a couple of real-world days to a couple of in-game days, which may translate to, you know, minutes or whatever it is the time compression they're going to do. But anything that's a session-killing penalty will increase the probability that somebody was going to reach into their actual pocket in the real world and put in money into the game to speed that process up. That's where I think that there's a problem.
1: Well, having, you know, having never really agreed with you on anything, Tony, I, I have to agree with you. No, <laughs> I, I... Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're more similar than a lot of people give us credit for, but uh, uh, so I always agree with you. Uh, right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's going to be hard to say. I mean, when we discuss things, we don't take into all factors. And and you mentioned the time compression. I mean, we don't know, for example, what that's going to be like. So who knows? I mean, You're right. It could be seconds away. It could be minutes away. But in game time, it could be a day. Right. So, uh, you know, it's nice that, uh, you know, our our listeners like to feedback to us about some of But take in mind that. We bring these things up because we want you to be informed, but we don't always touch on every single aspect that could affect a, a situation.
2: Well, and, and especially for the insurance thing, I mean, LTI has been just a repeated topic of, of pain for most people involved in this. But this is a method of stopping LTI spammers. You know, you worry about the guy that's just going to ram his ship into somebody over and over again and just, you know, get a free hull over and over again because he's got lifetime insurance on it. Introducing that kind of mechanic—a a, a, a timeout clock, a cooldown—could be a way to pre, you know, prevent those. deaths. I mean, there's a one real instance of a of a game mechanic that would be served by having this cooldown period in there. But I think that should only be kicked in after repeat violations. You know, that's like your punishment for abusing the insurance mechanic, not a regular feature of everybody's insurance experience.
1: <laughs> I just got this picture of Sean showing up and going. Uh, we're so sorry. You just, you know, uh, it's been the like. <laughs> okay, this is your fourteenth punch of the yeah. replacement
2: card. I take your replacement card away now, and you have to sit in the timeout corner. It's in the We're rules. sorry,
1: but but the manufacturer yeah. hasn't quite gotten your haul off the uh, manufacturer line yet. You know, it's like... we're still scraping together the pieces of the last <laughs> ship you broke,
0: so you're gonna have to wait. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, you get a loner dragonfly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Be sure to use the turn signals. They're hard <laughs> to see. Don't be careful with that. Yeah. Schmunkel 98 route. In regards to the June 21st 10 for the Chairman, where Chris Roberts discusses upcoming 2.5, 2.6, and 2.7 patches, was I the only one who was wondering why game mechanics like mining, salvaging, refueling, exploration, and cargo hauling are taking a backseat to procedural tech right now? I would love to hear your thoughts as your previous construction of a building comparison to Star Citizen was spot on in my opinion. Please keep up your poking and prodding of Star Citizen as you are some of the few left that aim to hold CIG to the higher standards we were promised.
2: All right, Jess, so remember earlier in the show when I told you to hold your thought? Yeah. You can you can hold you can unhold your thought. Okay. So yeah, your your question earlier I think was, you know, what happened to all the other things besides combat? Well, Schmuckel 98 wrote in basically asking the same question. That was a 10 for the Chairman question that Chris got, and his answer essentially was a very, very longer version of the following. We're concentrating on the things that need to get done for Squadron 42.
1: Okay, done. so what does I mean, that mean yeah. in the long
2: run? Yeah, well, it means in the long run, that's the long run, because in the short run, what matters is shooting stuff.
1: So you're building a combat game, Chris. That's really what you're talking about here. Squadron forty two. Yeah. Star Citizen is going to
2: be the everything else, but Star Citizen is on the back burner right now. It's all hands on deck to get Squadron forty two out. And you don't need cargo hauling in a Wing Commander sequel. You don't need mining. You don't need refuel well maybe you should probably have refueling. Refueling would be cool. Yeah. Exploration, you don't need exploration. You don't need salvaging. Although salvaging could also be pretty cool. Uh, having a salvage mission. So, I mean, but unless it's necessary for like the first five episodes, unless it's in the script in the first five episodes, it's backburnered right now. And that's just a reality we all have to understand. So the building comparison is like the first tenants are moving in. Screw the pool. Screw the parking lot. Screw everything else aside from the first floor uh, of that. We've got to have the plumbing and the heating and air and the carpet in for the first floor tenants. Everything else is going to just have to wait. And that's where it is.
1: And I'm good with that, but I do want him... I I mean, maybe when we preface these questions to the chairman that we should be talking about for Squadron 42 or for Star Citizen, because I really want to hear about the, you know, Persistent Universe. I really want to know, is this going to be a combat game or is this going to be life in the future? Because if if you were to take... The world population right now, considering all the wars and all the things that are going on with it, it's only a fraction that are involved in any kind of conflict at any given time. And if we expound that into a persistent universe population, billions upon billions upon billions, then really only a fraction of the populace will be involved in combat every time. Now, if I get into Star Citizen and I'm in combat every time I log into it, I'm going to be thinking this is not my game.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, you won't, if that's what you want. But those those mechanics are not going to be forthcoming, and details about those mechanics are not going to be forthcoming. I mean, I just, I mean, if you're sitting around waiting to hear about how Star Citizen's mining mechanic is going to be different from Elites or from Star Trek Online or whoever else, you're just going to have to learn to live with disappointment because that's not coming until well after Squadron 42 is out the door. I'm sorry Schmunkel 98 you're just going to have to accept the long-winded answer from Chris Roberts that had nothing to do with mining or anything of that as the it's on hold until the uh, Wing Commander sequel is out.
1: So we shouldn't be expecting 2.5, 2.6, and 2.7. No, no, those those are coming,
2: but those things are going to include features that are necessary for Squadron 42.
1: Well, wait a second. This is Persistent Universe we're talking about.
2: Right, but the backbone of the Mm. basics, like saving your character state from one session to the next, retaining your loadout, from one session to the next, retaining ship damage from one session to the next. There, there may be a, a post exchange, you know, the PX uh, on the yeah. Carrier but that doesn't will, require persistent
1: universe access. That requires a single game client that that you can. That's much easier to yeah. to save those states between. You're right, Jeff. I mean, we're talking about we're we're talking about yeah. a completely different game system here.
2: You're, you're right. I don't I don't disagree with you, Jeff. But the problem is that. This has been designed from the ground up for these two games to overlap when it may have been much simpler, as we stated a few episodes ago, to have divorced these two games at some point, to have forked these two games at some point a long time ago. But that decision was made many moons ago, and it's way too late now, which gets us to the next Feedback question from Giroux who says The issue with CIG writing a new engine is that it won't take another year, it will take another five years. The Cry Engine wasn't made for Crisis. Crisis was made for Cry Engine to showcase its features. The business decision to purchase engines is a huge time saver for the game developers to not have to reinvent the wheel. The issues of having to re-implement upgrade engine features after customizing the engines for developers' needs just becomes a balancing act of developer time. Versus the value of the feature to the game, but nothing's ever impossible, and they would still save a lot of time and money—our money, I, my dad. Jeru makes yeah, a good point there.
1: He does, but I—there might be a couple points that we kindly disagree on, and, and I'm not going to bash the point. I, you know, um, Chris is wanting so much out of this engine that he might as well just develop it himself. I don't know. I it, it's a I'm not I'm not a coder. I you know I deal with the hardware and the and making the networks run. But uh, you know uh, I've just been involved in so long with <laughs> these games. It's just
2: well you know and we're we're looking at you know technology and a game engine that was developed you know several years ago. Right. And, and the game has been in process for several years now, and the engine has been reworked a number of times and. Part of my frustration, and maybe I'm missing something here, but part of my frustration is that, you know, in the last time for the Chairman, they're like, we're trying now to make the big map work. Well, at the last CitizenCon back in October 2015, they're touting their huge maps, like 8 billion kilometers wide and 10 million kilometers tall and whatever it was the dimensions were. But I thought we had that solved. I, I thought that was
1: dumb. Yeah, I thought so too. And and, and you know, if the engine's not going to support it then then don't use the engine. I mean, at some point the man hours put into into running your head up against the tree and, and saying, "Oh, the other side of this tree is just not uh, not there." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There's a there's a concrete wall on the other side of the tree. You know.
1: Oh, why didn't you tell me that
2: before I started bashing <laughs> my head against the tree? You yeah. can't go this way. Oh man. Yeah. It's a little frustrating to me, you know, being uh, paying as much attention to the development of this game as uh, as we do, that a problem that we thought had been checked off the list—double precision, 64-bit map check. Oh, oh, sorry, erase that check mark because here we are in June of 2016. A billion kilometer wide maps are not a thing we can do yet. It was eight billion kilometers in 2015 in October. That's hey, we got it done. Yeah, it's been a long slog, but we're we're there now. No, we're actually not. We're still working on trying to get that worked out. We're gonna have it soon, right? Soon, TM, because it's a thing that's gonna happen in the near future. But and and the, and the other problem with that is that again, if it's if it truly is all hands on deck for Squadron Forty Two and it really needs to be at this time, that means that they need billion kilometer wide maps for Squadron Forty Two, which means that a integral component of the game that's supposed to launch at the end of this year is not functioning as expected at this point which is another cause for concern. So it's, you know, an answer. The answer from the the question from the chairman should have been sorry about mining. Sorry about all this other stuff. We're getting all hands on deck for Squadron 42. That stuff is going to be on hold for a while. That would have been a good answer. But in answering the question with more details than perhaps we needed to, it just seems like there's more cause for concern.
1: Yeah, I agree. Speaking of cause for concern, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, you want me to take this one? Ian Rafferty writes in and says, CIG keeps selling useless pixelated art dot 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 and not, you know, taking part of the comment out of context. It's the moment in the broadcast where I stop playing and remove the podcast from my favorites list. Sad since this used to be my favorite Star Citizen podcast. This is the kind of shallow, disinterested, and frankly uninformed commentary that I can find anywhere. And I won't spend my limited discretionary time listening to it here. Well, right now,
2: Jeff. Yes. Jeff. Yes. Relax. Take. I need you to take a deep breath, Jeff. Okay. Take a deep breath. Now Shiv did go on there and respond that Jeff was joking. I was. And 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 Ian Rafferty replied back that you know that's it's a sensitive subject essentially, and and thanked Shiv for his response, but. Now that you've taken a deep breath, go ahead, Jeff.
1: Well, I'm so sorry, Ian, that I could not wrap my comments around what you were thinking or feeling at the time. I'm sorry that, that the thin-skinned was not... Uh... Uh, easy? Easy? <laughs> We're
0: going, going down easy. the route of, uh, what was that, Sheridan in uh, yeah. Babylon 5? Uh, yeah. his, his famous apology? <laughs> yep. <Yeah.
1: laughs> see, yeah. Jays knew I was going through that. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It just, it. We, we, saw it. we all saw it coming. Yeah. We all saw it coming.
1: Uh, now, I'm sorry to see you go.
2: But the fact of the matter is, is that... We do want the game to work, but we are not going to withhold criticisms, and we are aware and will continue to make our listeners aware of the types of things that other people are saying because these are concerns, bracketed quote concerns. Everybody's got them. They're legitimate. We try to bring them up in a constructive way, and we want to address them in an open and honest forum and solicit feedback, but we do occasionally make some jokes, and everyone needs to, you know, take it in the spirit in which it was intended. Is a forthright
0: and honest discussion that sometimes feelings might be hurt from time to time, and we're all grown-ups. And I think that if Jeff had meant that seriously, he'd be demonstrably wrong. First of all, the art is very high resolution. Oh, yeah, exactly, I know. <laughs> exactly. And it's certainly not useless because I have used it for uh, my Windows desktop background on many occasions and was very satisfied.
1: Uh, I, in fact, I got it up on my background right now and and pictures of my own ships that i've spent over 1400 dollars on so yeah yeah you know it's okay to ask us to clarify if you're feeling really bent out of shape you know we're we're happy to to reply to you you can direct your comments directly to us and and our community manager will make sure that he gets us the concerns and we can reply directly to those concerns you know we're all human beings we all uh, like to joke. You, yeah, I mean, you're not privy to our back ended conversations about things. You know, we're <laughs> constantly joking about who said what. And- we we have a filter. We have yeah. a filter. We do, but really,
2: here, here's my here's this is my concern. I have a concern in brackets that I want to bring up, and I, and, okay. I, and and Ian Rafferty, if you're continuing to listen, which we hope you are, but don't take this personally. But I'm going to use you as, a, as a, a teaching point, a teaching moment. The difference between people having mature and vigorous conversations about topics that concern them, and overly sensitive cult-like behavior, is these sorts of trigger phrases, like. You can't say those things. That's too mean. Well, we know that certain parties use the trigger phrase "selling pictures of JPEGs" to imply that uh, there's some sort of intentional plot going on to deceive backers that these that these ships are never going to be quote real in a in a game in an engine where you can play them. We know that, and that I, that's that's why we joked about it. But that's that that's my concern is that. If we are going to place words and phrases off limits, even in a forthright and honest discussion, you're automatically sort of cordoning off the, your your world, your world of facts that you are able or willing to understand. And when people start making phrases and words and ideas off limits, you're automatically limiting discussion and you're automatically limiting your worldview. We're not going to do that here on this show. It's just not going to happen. So, uh, Mr. Rafferty, again, I don't want to I don't want to single you out because there's a lot of people doing it right now. But you you wrote into us, and Shiv responded to you, and we, we think this is a feedback topic that needs to be addressed. So, so thank you for doing it, uh, and love to have respectful, good conversations with all of our listeners.
1: And if the game that I love wants to continue selling me pixelated art, I'm going to continue to buy it.
2: <laughs> well. That's just you. That's you, Jeff. You're just you're just a warm fuzzy uh, guy.
1: I know. I just had to preface. I, I think I'll just preface everything I say now with the game that I love.
2: No, 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 <laughs> no, no. We're all adults here. You don't have to do that.
1: Okay.
0: On a lighter note, the one and only Sean Newboy also wrote in, and he said, I quote, "Had a blast listening." Oh, he just loves this, and we love him back. Brickwall goalie, aka Mikey, aka the guy
2: that cleans up after us every show, says. What would prevent CIG from creating their own gray market similar to Diablo 3's real money auction house? Items could be sold for in-game currency or real money, and that real money could be deposited in the user's game account to be used in the game or in a verified PayPal account for withdrawal. CIG could take a cut off the top and still make money. Account security is obviously a concern when real money is changing hands, so you could require two-step verification to
0: use the real money auction house. Hold on here. Did anybody else, when you said Diablo 3 real money auction house, hear the sound from psycho yeah <laughs> yeah I, you know they could but the latest
2: revision to the terms of service is all about limiting liability and limiting people's exposure and limiting any kind of uh, you know uh, potential fallout from transactions going bad this seems to be a step in a completely opposite direction assuming liability for people's transactions between each other and putting themselves in the I, The risk-reward analysis for something like this, for, for any game company, not just CIG, is just not good. The PR potential yeah. is staggering, yeah. too. Yeah, just no way. It's just so much cleaner to just ban the gray market and try to keep people from doing it. It's just uh, the, the logistical it's a nightmare. Just ugh.
1: You know, there's uh, unfortunately I think there's there's uh, no matter what the systems are in place that there are people that will find ways around them. Oh sure. And uh, you know I I'm just there's been some solid attempts. I mean Blizzard for one who's been in this game for a very long time has has really taken the attempt to uh, to curb a lot of it, but uh, it still happens. Ken from Chicago writes in at Guard Freak. Don't mind those hashtag Utes. At G. McComb. I remember hashtag Microsoft Bob, Clippies Dad, hashtag you're not alone. Thank you, Ken. Oh.
2: <laughs> Some guy, uh, he feels your pain, Jeff. He feels your pain. You got, oh, you, you, you have if, a warm fuzzy. If now? you had a
1: computer in the 90s, you would have felt my pain too. I mean, as a tech guy <laughs> uh, servicing these people's computers, I'm telling you, it was the worst thing ever. Oh, 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 oh! And people called Windows 8 a disaster. Oh my God!
2: Yeah, I was a I was a tech support hotline guy in college, late 90s, like 97, 98, and uh, yeah, that was uh, there. There were people who were upgrading to Windows 98 from Windows 95 or from Windows 3.1 to 98, and it was just yeah, it was just it was murderous. But I couldn't strangle people through a phone line.
1: That's true, though. So as much as you want to, <laughs> as
2: much as I wanted to.
1: And our new Patreon this week is Max Miles. And the winners of our brand new patch is Max Miles. Coincidence? Back today and find out. And this week's community question... Do multiple single-purpose ships ensure that you're using the right tool for the right job? Or is the convenience of a multi-purpose hull a better option? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post over on our show's thread at guardfrequency.com.
2: So how was this show? Were we all clearly defined or did some of our boundaries blur? Either way, let us know. Here's how you can get in touch with us. Why not leave a comment on the show's post over at guardfrequency.com?
1: Or hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak. Or leave a comment and like us on facebook.com forward slash guardfreak.
0: If you're old school like us, you could even shoot us an email, squawk at guardfrequency.com.
2: You can also use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show
0: notes. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute, tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 126 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 127 on July 12th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows on our website, guardfrequency.com. Remember, there's no show next week as we're all going to be launching fireworks from the back of giant bald eagles. Our next live recording is Friday, July
1: 8th. And that's not all. You can also subscribe to our shows over at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything on Friday nights, except for next Friday, then you can always join us over live at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central And that's Saturdays at 5 a.m. for you BrixX people. Brexit.
2: Do you like what we do? Do you want to help us make the best damn Space M podcast ever? Drop an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. You can also support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. For just a buck twenty-five, you get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, as well as being entered into our weekly drawing to win some guard frequency goodies. And uh, through a scientific poll that Shiv conducted, uh, two out of three listeners, and literally two out of three listeners responded, said they want the next little prize to be wings. So we're going to start working on getting some wings for our patrons. They're going to be fancy. Oh, they'll be so nice. You're going to want to back us for sure. We want to thank all of our Patreons who support us for their subscriptions week on week and hope you'll consider making a regular contribution.
1: Because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the call sign section for details on how you can fly with us. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
0: We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster. Our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Chorlton Edwards. Our staff writers, Kin Shadow and yours truly. Our producer, Jeff Grant. And of course, our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. A big shout out to our syndication partner, The Bass. And special thanks to Ronald Jenkies for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. No one's listening out there. The deep Black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Time two three three zero
2: count one five. Squawk seven seven zero zero. Stay on the ground.
1: What do we have this week, Tony? Try that one again. (laughs) What do we have this week? I know, I know. Domo Arigato, (laughs) you person
0: over there.
1: Chris mentioned in the 10 for the Chairman that the Drake ship's not having an ejection sheet. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I saw that one coming. In all, the warning on this... uh, As well as some previously promised adjustments in gameplay and in... in, or two levels if you already, oh. Or two levels if you haven't rolled any special effect on that module yet, and want to ensure that one. God, who writes this stuff?
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, blame the editor.
1: Do you want that?
2: Do you want that job, Jeff? You can have. No, the, like, no, no, you can, no, you no. Can be the. Uh, that's what I thought. <laughs> Top rank opponents and high end ships should be much less likely now in facing power play appo- appointments. Finally, enemy. Enemy. Finally, enemy interdictions will. God, I can't even. Blah, blah, blah. Though if trade or exploration is higher than your combat rank, the system will add plus one to your rank to represent that. That is a terrible sentence. That so is, is a
1: terrible yeah. sentence. You're right. Finally, this stuff? Is, yeah. Com- <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, combat ranks of their husband. I think you just. Uh, okay. Yeah. Don't need so this. It, it's it's go- it's going to add plus one to your combat rank. It should ends, be like so your
0: effective it. rank.
2: Okay, so fi- finally the enemy interdictor interdictor's
0: combat rank. Let's put it that way. Interdictors. Oh, sure. Ombat. Wombat. Yep. They wombat. They're the, wombat rank. Combat wombat. Be the next concept oh, no.
1: ship. Yeah, it'll just be an engine with a seat on it. <laughs> <laughs> If you if you're in a sidewinder and you're mostly harmless, you'll get
2: the, you'll get an engine with a seat and one gun. A enemy.
1: gun? Who needs a gun? You just point the engine you Just, at just the... ram you. you. Just ram him, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right, Just ram you. Strap your ass in this saddle, you'll be fine.
2: Any discussion on any of those? I like burst lasers. Not a fan. I like pulse lasers. Very efficient.
1: Yeah, well, you know, you burst, I pulse. What's the difference? <laughs> uh, that's what she said.
2: Do I, so, yeah, here the, i
0: don't restrained think it from, uh, asking about ejectile dysfunction with the Drake ships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we admire your restraint, sir. We admire your restraint.
1: Well, I, uh, you know, you both had eco. Equal- go, Jeff. What? Huh? I said go, Jeff. So, <laughs> I was going. <laughs> oh, go. go, Jeff. Oh, uh, I, I think that... Uh, Can't get through an
0: episode right. without that.
2: No, no, I, no, no. I gotta say go, Jeff, at some point. Yeah.
1: Uh... I, God, now you you really screwed my up. Now you're stopping. Now you're screwed me up. Shut up.
0: <laughs> Some say he thinks bricks. You just want me to say schmunkle. I do. So it's so nice I'll say it twice. Domo arigato.